Welcome back, Weeboos. It's episode eight. This week, I'm here again with the one and only Haku, or Chris. And this week, we're going to change it up a bit. We're going to talk about a little bit anime, and we're also going to maybe get into some references to one of the powerhouses in animation, and that's going to be Disney Studios. But before we get into it, let's kind of recap our weeks. Chris, what did you think about this current week? Was there anything that stood out to you? Was there anything that made you say, what is going on? So I kind of took a break from summer 2021. Well, I tried my best to catch up to Sunny Boy. I still have no idea what the hell's going on with that show. It gives me kind of Haruhi vibes where it's just weird, man. The show is just really weird. I think I'm on episode five or I finished episode five. And I just can't get myself to continue the show because it's just strange. It's weird. It is so weird. It might be the weirdest show I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I don't get where they're trying to go with the show. And I know the show is like an original story, so it's not based off a manga or anything like that. But where are they trying to go with this? Because I I have no sense of direction, even after the first five episodes. And it's expected to be just 13 episodes, right? Or 12 episodes. There's only seven episodes left. And I have no idea where they're going. And, And they're not doing a great job explaining episode to episode either. So... You know, like you said, Sunny Boy's been really weird. It's, it's I don't know, man. They got to turn it around or something because it's it's getting really weird. And, and I think it's reflecting in a lot of users. Um, I was reading a lot of comments on it that people are just like, what the hell am I watching? Just exactly like you said. Yeah, I think I just saw a Reddit post like right before we started this pod- podcast where the title was literally like Sunny Boy, the weirdest anime or like what the hell is going on with Sunny Boy? <laughs> And this was like the episode 10 discussion. So I don't know if I even want to continue past episode five at this point because I just can't tell where it's going. But I know at the start of the summer 2021 season, when we started our second season of the podcast as well, we kind of did like a a preview of the summer 2021 season. And coming into it, I was like, man, I'm so concerned about what PA Works does with Aquatope. But the funny part is, I think Aquatope is the most solid show out of summer 2021 so far. Where I I don't think I'm blown away by it. Like, I go into the show week after week, and it's just very consistent. And I know what to expect. And they really haven't dropped the ball on it. So it's, it's kind of gone the opposite way, where I had such high hopes for, I think, Sunny Boy and Vanitas. And I was so concerned about Aquatope. But right now, Aquatope is really the solid ground that i have in summer 2021 that keeps me coming back but the other shows are just not doing a good job yeah yeah i definitely agree it's been very consistent it's been that great week to week consistent never saying it's a bad episode aquatope's definitely getting the job done you know pretty good anime for the season definitely think they can keep it up but they got 24 episodes to run so they're still in the early innings yeah, but I could kind of see where they're trying to go with the show. There's, there will probably be more feels-heavy elements to it towards the back end of the show from what I'm getting from these first few episodes. But it's just very solid. I know what to expect. I know what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go with the show. So it's very easy for me to keep myself coming back to watch it. And the same kind of goes for me for Remake Our Life. So... I know you said that it's kind of getting this like red flag warning or yellow flag warning where it might fall off a cliff. I still have hope for the show. 
And before we get into Remake Our Life, I just want to give a little spoiler warning here. I'll put some, some timestamps at the bottom so you can skip this section of the podcast and go on to the next section. But yeah, if you haven't watched it yet, skip over this section because we'll be go- kind of going into details about Remake Our Life in terms of some spoilers. So that's just a spoiler warning. And I, I know they did this like weird time skip element thing. I don't know if that's a spoiler, but I don't think it's that bad. Like I, I, I can kind of see where they're trying to go with this though. Yeah, yeah. And like, let's maybe touch in for anyone who didn't listen on to last week's episode. We were being a bit of our degenerates. You know, we had to touch on it, but we're talking about waifus. So, you know, I want to get your opinion on something on Remake Our Life. I was reading some you know, just user comments, user reviews on Remake Our Life. People are actually frustrated that he ended up, uh, spoiler alert, in this future timeline marrying Shino Aki. Or is that a pen name? I think that's our real name. Shino Aki, basically. Um, how do you feel about that? Wait, was that something that kind of you felt like, dang, I, I used to ship this relationship, but now it feels wrong is it are you on team kawasagawa all of a sudden what about nanako like what's your feeling on maybe the whole waifu thing going on here my guess is that it's not set in stone that he ends up with shinoaki because this is in my opinion just if like a glimpse of what the future will be if things played out the way that it did when he time skipped back and we traveled back in time. Right, right. So I don't necessarily think it's set in stone. I definitely agree. Not set in stone. Would you be mad one way or the other? I was reading a lot of people that were definitely on this train that like if he doesn't go back in time and just relives his same life, except the only difference is he gets with Kawasagawa, they'll be like super frustrated. But people are like all on board that train right now. But anyways, thought it was interesting. Who knows? They only got a couple episodes left, so. I mean, like... I kind of expected it because that's kind of how Sakura so p- plays out. Like he gets with the more talented person, but not necessarily the more likable character. And that's how this has played out so far. But if I had to guess and make a guess on what's going to happen in the next four episodes or so, like he's going to either travel back in time and then live his original life where he doesn't just mess with the, I don't even know what they're called technically in english but the 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 platinum generation yeah the platinum generation like where he doesn't mess with what happened there because he technically not ruined their lives but changed the course of the lives of that group that's my guess and if that happens that he won't get with any of them so that that's if i had to guess what would happen in the last four episodes that that's what it is okay so you think he's gonna end actually end up with kawasagawa i don't even know if he'll end up with kawasagawa he might just naturally meet her like he did in his original life. But there, I think there's a high chance he just ends up with no one. Just living a loner lifestyle, but maybe a little bit happier, a little more uh, self-fulfilled. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Because I think the takeaway here is that by taking... The some, grass is always greener. <laughs> well, I don't even know if it's like the grass is always greener. But like if you take an opportunity you take away an opportunity from someone else and i think that's what like the takeaway is here like he can Mm. relive his life and get everything he wants but by doing so he took away something from someone else who could have lived their you know their dream or got on what they wanted to do and 
as a result, that kind of starts this like domino effect. You know, if the platinum generation never happened, then all these fantastic games or these productions wouldn't just never happen. And then the people that enjoyed the games and were affected by them were would not be affected by it. <laughs> like I don't I don't know. There's just like a whole domino effect that kind of goes with it. And I just feel that he will go back in time not to kind of fulfill or go go and get the opportunity of working with a platinum generation but kind of building out his own road so he doesn't steal necessarily anyone else's opportunity but he will make and find his own opportunity elsewhere that's my guess that's interesting i definitely didn't think about it that way that's interesting i mean we'll see how it plays out yeah who knows there's a few episodes left though so we'll, we'll find out soon enough and, you know, maybe this is a good point to transition into this whole seasonal concept. I know this is something we wanted to touch in. And, you know, I'm just going to bring it up now because I feel like this is a good point. You know, we're watching all of these anime in the summer season. Everything is a little bit, you know, lackluster maybe as we get, as we progress on week to week. Um, of course, you have some good shows. But overall, like like we've said, this the season overall is... It's okay. It's a season of anime. But, you know, I think it had a lot more hype coming into the season. And, you know, there's a big difference right now with in Western culture. Things come out when they're ready. You know, when the production studios are ready, when the trailer and the hype is big enough. That's when shows come out. Anime has historically always done this seasonal concept thing where you release everything at once. And maybe this is because of a television schedule, right? Uh, the Japanese television, I, I don't know. I don't live in Japan, but I'm guessing they have uh, weekly released times and um, basically on certain shows on the weekends, prime hours. Whereas Western culture, something we've touched about before, is kind of moving towards this release everything at once and binge it at your own. Or they do a one-week release as well, but it's only produced first and then they do the release. Where in anime, it tends to be everyone's working week to week to get out the next episode. Yeah, I think it is primarily a TV thing because J-dramas are the same exact thing as anime where they do fall into four seasons. And they release episodes on a weekly basis. Granted, I, I don't know what the, I guess, workload differences between a J-drama versus an anime. You know, like there's people acting and then you have to edit that. But then you with anime, you have to create animation and movement and art. So it's, it's a bit more difficult, I would guess. So I'm not, I'm not 100% sure in terms of how much more work it takes to create one or the other. But... It is. It follows the same theme where they release on a weekly basis, and I'm sure, like for years and years, you know, we're talking like twenty plus years now, where they've kind of had this set schedule in Japan, and Japanese people just have this like bad tendency to not change some culture that was built. So like work culture or like historic culture. I I don't know, but they they don't like to change, and then I don't expect japanese people to kind of change this like seasonal schedule but i don't know it just feels rushed sometimes and remake our life is the kind of the the prime example in this summer 2021 season and there probably was an example of this like in spring 2021 and winter 2021 as well where they just randomly throw in like a recap episode of episode seven 
and you can kind of tell like it's just to buy them some time and basically you know delay the timeline of it with that comes a great cost where you lose an episode to further progress the storyline and if you're like a 12 episode anime which remake our life is potentially going to be that's a a whole like chapter or a whole section of a story that you basically missed out on so it is a bit weird and i know disney is kind of shifting to more of like a release on a weekly basis kind of thing but it feels like everything is already done before they start weekly releasing it on a weekly basis so on like disney plus's platform like some of the marvel series that they've kind of created they release on a weekly basis for six to eight weeks or something like that but it felt like the production of the shows were already completed versus an anime is kind of live and ongoing you're just trying to push the deadlines and meet the deadlines in order to release these shows on a weekly basis to tv studios which it's kind of crazy no definitely agree that i think i think disney does complete the production first and the editing and they you know just are pretty much just enjoying it as they put out the episodes. They're enjoying watching the fan base hype, working on the advertising. I don't think they're really doing much production week to week. Um, but anime, I think that's definitely a different case. And it's actually ironic that Remake Our Life, which is a show about production deadlines in the industry, is the anime that didn't get out an episode on time, I want to say. But... You know, maybe this is some mind, some mind trick, you know, to show what happens when you don't get an episode out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's intended, right? Or we don't know if it's intended. And with something like 86 from last season, they threw in a recap episode, episode 12, I think. So that feels more like it wasn't intended or that was more so intended to be there. But with Remake Our Life, they threw a recap episode, episode 7 of a show and I feel like there just isn't too much going on in order to do that. And Promise Neverland season two did the same thing, right? Where they threw in a random recap episode, I think at episode six or seven as well. And then after that, we all know how that went. So it just felt like an unintentional recap episode. And I, I don't know. I, I really just don't know if it's intentional or to just like buy time for the studios. But it does feel like sometimes that anime aren't ready and because of that like the quality of the shows just suffer from it which seems you know unfair to the creators and also unfair to the the original like manga writers or artists or anyone else that's really involved but i think what's interesting though is in the western world what disney primarily right they're switching over to disney plus so they created like a streaming platform that allows them to kind of dictate when and where the the shows and movies are going to be released and you know that's not counting the movies that kind of hit the theaters but disney plus provides them with the opportunity to basically set and dictate when their shows will come out and they can do it on a weekly basis they could do it all at once whatever they want to do but anime hasn't really shifted to a streaming platform really i know we get it on netflix sometimes i know we get it on crunchyroll here in the u.s but if you go to crunchyroll that shit don't exist in Japan unless you have a VPN. And Funimation is also a US thing. So I know there's Hulu there, I think, that licenses a lot of the anime, but that's not necessarily a like an anime-only platform. It just feels like another TV studio. So what what are your thoughts on this? Like, should Japanese people kind of switch over to like a streaming platform that allows them to release anime 
to their own liking. So let's just say, for example, like Kyoto Animation creates a Kyoto Animation streaming platform or a website. They could release their anime there. And I don't know if they charge like a subscription or whatever, but like maybe that gives them more flexibility in order to dictate how to release shows. You know, I think it's interesting because something like a monster company like Disney, right? They're in terms of production, one of the top. They got crazy amounts of teams working on this. They're always putting out content and they have a lot of content they can reference, right? And that's the benefit of having a streaming service. When you look at something like Kyoto Animation, um, Bones, they're big studios, right? But they don't have the content where someone's going to sign up and say, I'll pay for your streaming service to go watch like your older anime as well as what you're coming out with. Because, you know, some of these studios, yeah, they put out two to three anime a year, but it's not worth it to pay for just those two, three anime when it maybe only one or two of those are, are really the ones you want to watch. It's almost better at that point to wait and see it on TV or Crunchyroll. Now, having said that, I do think there's opportunity here in Japan to maybe move away from traditional TV and streaming. And whether that's like Japan's own type of Crunchyroll or maybe some type of streaming service that gets the rights more exclusively i think for both it's a win-win for both consumers as well as the anime production studios themselves i think they can get more revenue that way and they don't have to worry about budget if they're being paid up front on by a streaming service Uh, i do think that's one of the issues here like we're talking about how most likely a lot of these studios are releasing episodes week to week and if they flunk or bomb like the first couple that budget, I mean, might shrink, right? They might get their budget might get cut uh, by episode four, and the studio might just say, you know what, it didn't pan out. We're cutting the rest of the budget for the rest of the the rest of the season. Better luck next time. That's what it feels like to me. And whether if you're a production studio like Netflix is buying the rights for like Violet Evergarden, and we know this like what six months to a year before it comes out, you know it's going to be good. I don't know what they paid up front, but you know that budget is there, and that budget's not going away. It's almost like a commitment. And, you know, I think that's the difference between the benefits of having some type of streaming service or something up front that you're going to be paying for. And maybe they need to incorporate this with more than just anime, right? Like Crunchyroll has some dramas. Maybe they need to do a little bit of drama. Maybe they need some movies in there. Maybe they even need to get something like Studio Ghibli on board. But right now, I think every and maybe because it's regional every each of these big studios they're not they don't feel united almost it's not like disney just buying up all these small production companies and owning like almost everything in terms of animation and i think that's the difficulty with anime but i wish it was for both people writing the animes the writers the studios i wish the quality was better rather than you know end up midway that you have to like you know, just push it together because you're out of budget. It just always seems sad when that happens. And another thing that, you know, we're kind of overlooking here is I do think that there is a discrepancy between Japanese people in terms of how they want shows to be released versus how we want shows to be released in the U.S. And I've, I kind of think we touched on this before, but something like Netflix, where they do have the rights to stream Violet Evergarden, Beastars, and some of these other shows, I think like Great Pretender on Netflix as well. I believe Violet Evergarden and Beastars, at the very least, I'm not sure about Great Great Pretender, came out on a weekly basis in Japan. And they still released anime the traditional way on Netflix. 
but they release the shows in bulk in the US. And that that might be like a rights thing. That might be like a, you know, we need to obtain the rights in order to stream it in the US. And that takes a longer amount of time. So we can't release these episodes on like a simulcast uh, basis, like how Funimation and Crunchyroll does it. I'm not 100% sure, but I know for a fact that Netflix has come, kind of come out and said that, hey, we release Terrace House on Japan's Netflix on a weekly basis because Japanese people want to see shows on a weekly basis versus we know for a fact that the people in the U.S. don't want to watch shows on a weekly basis or they rather binge shows all at once. And that's why we push back the Terrace House releases in the U.S. because they can we can release eight or 12 at a time and people can watch all eight or 12 episodes at once and on the other hand in japan they release it weekly so that they could enjoy it weekly maybe that's just a straight up discrepancy between what uh, the audience prefers in the different regions and if that's the case then the whole problem with anime being released on a weekly basis and feeling rushed and feeling like you need to meet the deadlines every one or two weeks it's probably never just going to get fixed because that's just what Japanese people want. Do you think there's a difference when it's based off a light novel versus the manga? Because with the manga, you at least have art or at least a starting point. Uh, but with a light novel, it's a, it's a much harder adaptation. And, you know, some companies do it very well. But when you have a manga, it's almost easier to pace yourself correctly as well as skip maybe chapters that you think you know not as important i think that's actually a really interesting topic because there's kind of two sides to this story so one right the manga gives you the character design gives you kind of the animation what scenes you want to get in each episode you have something to reference to in order to base not copy and paste but you can pretty much copy what they did in the manga, right? And then refine it a bit in order to be more television friendly. And light light novels obviously don't have that. You have the whole screen, the script, I mean, not the screen, the script written out for you, but you kind of have to create the character design. You have to create the setting. You have to create the design of the world they live in or et cetera, which is a, a bit more work, I would say upfront. But the problem with adapting a manga is you will always be compared to the manga no matter what so if you do something and fuck up the character design or or mess up the plot or go take a different trajectory compared to the manga you will get bashed and be sent to the shadow realm for the rest of your life you may never work in the anime industry ever again jk but like there's that comparison where the manga is this like holy grail and if you go if you stray away from the manga the anime's crap like that's happened multiple times we've seen it you know in reviews we've seen people bash on shows over and over again so i do think there's kind of a i don't know there's more freedom i would say with light novels almost where you can kind of deter away from the traditional norm be a little creative with your character design create a setting that you envision in your head etc and then maybe that fits the plot better i don't know but with the manga you do that you're done yeah that's a it's definitely something that's a hot topic is always really good anime you can always reference the manga or the manga 
And if you do it correctly, a lot of people, you know, you, you have a big fan base to start almost because usually the manga come out several years in advance and the light novels are very hit or miss, right? Like I think Sword Art Online is a light novel. Each each season is basically a book, right? But there are some shows that are just completely adapted after the manga is completely finished. Like I almost think Demon Slayer was one of those where the manga was almost completely done by the time they started making the uh, anime adaptation. And it plays pretty true so far to the manga. And I think that's why Demon Slayer has had such a big crowd because it's had a big crowd in the manga community for a long time. Yeah, I think Demon Slayer is kind of an outlier because one, you know, the the manga itself is good already. So if you adapt it to anime and you literally don't stray off the path, then you're going to get good results probably just because the there's an audience for it really. But with light novels like Sword Art Online, like you said, like I don't, I've read a few of their light novels and I don't necessarily think they've strayed off the light novel path. It's just what it is. And some of the storylines just aren't as good as the other ones. And that's, that's simply what it is. And that's not necessarily on the animation studio. That's not on the, I guess, the drawers or the animation artists or et cetera. It's just, that's what the script is. And that's what you're given. And to be honest with you, Sword Art Online's like animation is actually pretty good. So if anything, the animation studios have done a hell of a job taking that script and making it into a better show than what the script actually really is. So No, yeah, they definitely do a very good job. And honestly, I when I read light novels, it's hard because the translation isn't always perfect. Uh, I'm missing a lot of the grammar and I think a lot of the emotion that actually should be there if it was read in Japanese. So I think that is an issue with maybe for me reading light novels in English. But I think it also comes back to when I think of, you know, Disney, right? They're basically the whole Marvel DC universe universes. I know different, but all of these are based on comics. So again, it plays to a common character design uh, everyone has an idea of what they look like, what their powers are, maybe the some plot, and it's really just taking that and elevating it, like you're saying. Uh, and maybe that's the difference between, you know, that just copying down what's there and how do you take what's there and elevate it. And sometimes it's hard to elevate a light novel correctly, I think. And I think that's what makes Disney so so strong is that they can look, take a comic and turn it into a full-blown movie where the entire movie is a banger maybe just for everyone else out there disney just released shang chi i think it brought in like 90 million in box office over the labor day weekend which is an insane release especially considering how the past couple years no one has really gone to the movie theater to go watch a movie but this weekend every it seems like everyone wanted to go to the movie theaters except the demon slayer movie that thing managed to break world records when COVID was happening. And, and it's insane, right? What is it about it that draws people to go watch in a crowd and and just brings people out? Is it the hype? Is it the marketing? Is it... It is interesting because I do think Shang-Chi is going to be one of the more important movies that affect, I think, the anime community indirectly. Because obviously it's, I don't know if it's like the first, but it's its probably one of the first, if not the first Asian 
American or Asian superhero to be released out of Hollywood. Well, we all, we had Avatar The Last Airbender, the movie, but it was played by a white person. And we all know how that movie went. So I believe Shang-Chi is kind of like the Black Panther for Asians in a way. And I don't know if that's going to break a new path or a new opportunity for anime to kind of break into the Hollywood scene and basically create more opportunities for Asian Americans or Asians in general to act in Hollywood. And that that might affect anime tremendously if that happens. But I don't know what it is. I, I just heard Shang-Chi's a great movie. I heard or I knew Demon Slayer was a great movie. But these are two movies that are purely Asian. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And they've done great in terms of the box office, which is actually great to see. Yeah, I definitely think the whole Shang-Chi, it was interesting because, you know, if you read into it, there's a lot in the comics that the production and Disney themselves thought they did not want to portray. They didn't like the way the character and the undertones were portrayed in the comics. So they took a lot of that out and really changed it to fit maybe the current culture and the change in philosophy that's really going around right now and it's really good to see uh at least that kind of decision making for such a big company to really understand that like this isn't what people want what's based on the comics they they want to feel like something is representing them and and that's the hard part i think with anime right it's not a real person so do you really think a movie like a Disney movie or more Asian representation in Hollywood can really help anime? Do you think someone or some studio one day is really going to be that gung-ho and say, you know, anime is a really big opportunity. I think we should produce it because there's a lot that could be produced, right? I'm sure Japan and a lot of those writers have plenty of material they could choose from. I think this is more so a thing that will affect manga writers or or writers like it might even be like light novels more so than just anime because the thing is anime is a portrayal of another form of storytelling pretty much right there are s- certain stories that have original stories like sunny boy like that like we've talked about where the anime is the is the original story but in most cases anime is adapted from a light novel or a manga and there it's just portrayed in a animated storytelling fashion but I think this will potentially, you know, break the water a bit, you know, break new ground for these writers, these light novels, these these manga in general to kind of have an opportunity at being adapted in the Western world. And one of the biggest adaptations that's coming out in the next few months, I think by the end of the year, is Cowboy Bebop, which is coming out, out on Netflix, which is insane to already think about. I know there's already been a Death Note adaptation on netflix but cowboy bebop has already been or has been regarded as one of the best anime to ever come out i know it's a bit old now so not everyone has watched the anime but a show like that has a lot of opportunity and a a huge chance to capitalize on the netflix audience because it's literally a western show in anime fashion right have you have you watched cowboy bebop i've only watched like part of it so i haven't watched all of it so it's being played by john cho right that's i think am i correct i think so understanding 
That's actually going to be really interesting. How many people do you think are going to understand that Cowboy Bebop is actually an anime adaptation? Or do you think people will just watch it and not have no idea like where the origins of it's come from? I honestly think it would be better if people just enjoy for what it is. Like you don't have to compare it against the anime. You don't have to know that it's an anime adaptation. Maybe if you like it a lot, you find out that it came from an anime and that, you know, you naturally find out that way. But in order for anime to become normal, like Disney and accepted by society in a non-geekish way, it has to be normal. Like people have to watch Cowboy Bebop because it's a good show, not because it's an anime adaptation, not because you loved Cowboy Bebop, the anime, but it's simply a good show. And we haven't seen that to this date with anime movies and shows in Hollywood. And that's the problem because we've seen the Death Note adaptation. It's crap. Nobody should watch it. Don't watch it. We've seen Ghost in the Shell. It's not great. It's whatever. The biggest appeal of it is Scarlett Johansson is the main lead. I don't know what else we've had, but we we know that your name, the adaptation, is in the works from what we've heard. We need a show that's just good as a show or a good as a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree. We we can't have a live action flop. And and this one's been in the works for a long time. I think 2018 was when it was first announced. And like you said, it's it's going to be big for the industry if this succeeds. It's going to show that it's possible to take and animate and really turn it into something good. Ah, uh, but man, I'm kind of scared. I'm going to be honest. I'm kind of scared because Cowboy Bebop is, like you said, such an influential anime that if this doesn't pan out, there could be a lot of hate going around. Yeah, so it could go two ways really right it could go one we adopted another anime adaptation and it was a complete flop it was a tragedy like should we ever do this again because death note that live adaptation was crap and then now cowboy bebop was crap like do we dare put our feet back into that area or that area of stories or there's the other side of the story right cowboy bebop's amazing Everyone that watched Cowboy Bebop, not just anime fans, loved Cowboy Bebop as a show. And honestly, to be to be honest with you, anime fans might bash it more so than the regular audience because they have a point of reference and they have something to always compare against. But if the Western audience that doesn't watch anime likes Cowboy Bebop, there's a chance and there's an opportunity for other manga to be ad- adapted. And I don't necessarily want to say you should adapt an anime to a live action show on netflix or you should adapt a anime to a hollywood movie produced by disney or produced by some other big company because where it gets wonky is when there is an anime that's s-tier anime and they try to make it an s-tier movie aka your name that's very dangerous because your name already was really good. How do you match what your name, the anime was with a live action movie? And that's the same trap that people have fallen into with Death Note. Death Note is a pioneer anime that set its grounds in the Western world 
as an S-tier anime. Stop making it into a live-action movie think it, thinking it will be a live or S-tier live-action movie. It's not happening. <laughs> because people will always compare against the original work. But I think there's an opportunity to adapt a work that has not yet been adapted if Cowboy Bebop is a success. I will say Cowboy Bebop does have time on its side because graphical production in t- television has come a long, long way over the past, you know, even five to six years. The amount of effects you can do these days, and Disney is a perfect case in point, it's outstanding. It's almost unrealistic but it's crazy how much cgi has come right yeah Um, graphics these days are crazy there's there's a chance that that's really what they need to really take anime into maybe live production or live adaptations right and there's shows out there right that we could think of like oh man what if this was a hollywood movie what if this was produced by disney what if it got the same budget, same production that the Marvel movies got. Like the the first movie or first show that comes to mind is AOT, obviously, because AOT, if it's done correctly, is just so hype, so action heavy, so intense that it can translate. It has a potential to translate to a live action movie. It has been translated to a live action movie in Japan. And I could tell you that movie was shit. It was one out of ten. I will never watch that ever again because Japanese people don't have the resources. They don't have the budget. They don't have the same experience that Disney and all these other companies in Hollywood have. And I really am curious almost where if we just gave one of these big Hollywood companies a like script based on a manga and just let them run with it, I feel like they could do it well. So, but as long as it wasn't an S tier anime, because then it's already been done well. I think a interesting point of discussion here is Disney movies that are animated, not the Marvel movies. Where I'm talking about like the Inside Outs, the Up, the other movies that that they've kind of produced recently, including Pixar. They these movies are animated they're kind of targeted towards a uh, younger audience they're i don't know i don't want to say childish but there is definitely more of a child targeted movie how has disney's movies kind of become more widely accepted by adults so inside out is like the biggest one that i could think of right where it's more so targeted it's so clever that it's like more so targeted towards adults than it really is for children but children enjoy it just as much. What has happened like with Disney where it's just widely accepted to be watched by all ages. Obviously, it's been a big hit globally, something like Frozen where it popped off all over the world. But how can anime kind of learn from what Disney has done in order to become more targeted to an older crowd or a wider range of a an audience and also just more socially accepted by people around the world. So I will say, I think what Disney does really well is they have a lot of subtle things that you don't pick up on as a kid, but if you watch it as an adult, they take a different meaning. And what I mean by that is let's take some, one of Disney's recent movies. I don't know if you've seen soul. I have. 
very, very adult themed, but they make it very, very childish. And I think when you're a kid, it it just seems entertaining. But as an adult, you see it and you say, man, that's such an interesting way to adapt um, maybe a problem I have in my real life. Maybe what I see as an adult. Or maybe that loss of a, you know, loss of a dream almost that you kind of give up on as you become older. And I think that's the difference is that you have to be able to have other meanings within a show. You can't just play to one one type of age group. You have to kind of have small small meaning behind some of the other parts of the show that really give more depth. And if you watch it a second or even third time, you pick up on a lot of new things. And I think some of the anime that are more historically well-regarded, they were more directed towards one or the other audience, right? Like, you can't watch Steins Gate as a kid and be like, this is great. But you can watch Naruto as a kid and be like, this is amazing. But as an adult, the initial Naruto, you'd be like, yeah, not not really my cup of tea. Right. And I think with Shonen and Shoujo specifically, right, That those are more tailored towards kids. It's just naturally more tailored towards kids. Although there are older people that obviously enjoy Shonen and Shoujo more, or they do enjoy it for what it is, like, you can tell that it's not a show made for 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, etc. Because it's it's a growing up story showing a child, you know, fall, falling and pursuing their dreams and whatnot. Or it'll be about, like, in a shoujo's case, a relationship in high school or a relationship that you're kind of cultivating throughout your life. Right. And, you know, I think that that the point that you just made there, the growing up, coming of age issue that anime always does it's great i love watching it but as i get older sometimes you're looking for maybe those your names you're looking for something that has a more meaning you're looking for a little bit of aquatope you're looking for a little bit of remake our life and you you almost want something that's going to combine all of that into one yeah and i think recently with anime there has been a trend where they're kind of running this middle ground almost where there are shonen shows that are almost catered towards the young adult or the adults. And I just talked about the show, but AOT is like the first one that comes to mind. Demon Slayer is another, is another one that comes to mind. Jujutsu Kaisen is another one that comes to mind. And Chainsaw Man that's coming out is another one. Like, Granted, it's more adult because of how gory and intense it is in the action scene. But it appeals not only to a younger audience, but also appeals to an older audience. And that's why I think Demon Slayer is so successful right now in just globally, not just in Japan, but also in the Western world, because it has themes that can be relatable when you're 15, when you're 10, but also when you're 25, 30, 35, etc. Because it doesn't pigeonhole the main character and the storyline to just being like, hey, I'm like 10 years old trying to become a 15-year-old trying to save the world, which a lot of shonen is naturally. But even then, anime is still just a weeb otaku genre where it's just never on the same level as Disney. Wherever you go, if you talk about anime in, in a public setting you'll probably be frowned upon if you're in the u.s but 
it was kind of weird when Demon Slayer was here in a movie, and it was almost normal to see everyone cosplaying as a Demon Slayer character when you're walking the streets around movie theaters. Yeah, and you know that colorway is so so recognizable now. Like, I don't know about the rest of the world, but in California, at least, almost everyone knows that color scheme. I actually have a. <laughs> You might hate to hear this, but I think I know the the best chance, in my opinion, for anime to get adapted and to get adapted well is the isekai genre. There's no way. There's actually no the way. Reason, no, the reason I say it is because isekai has a lot of like, it starts off as like some sad adult who then, you know, has, it plays a lot to both like the younger audience and the older audience. No, there's actually just no way. Because isekai is like 50% scuffed harm hentai. And fifty percent, like fantasy. You you can't. You don't throw all the all the fan service in there, but if you think about it, though, all the isekais are literally just fan (laughs) service. Sort of online fan service. All these recent ones, even like Jobless Reincarnation, that was big recently. Just fan service. Even though it's entertaining, it's scuffed. It's too scuffed, man. Steinsgate? Are you saying? I think it's better to do like science fiction, like Psychopaths. Well, I think that's why Netflix has chosen something like Cowboy Bebop to adapt or something like Death Note to adapt because it doesn't pigeonhole them into a, hey, this is a show just for 15-year-olds or 10-year-olds. This is more so a show that a wide audience can enjoy. And that's the same with your name. Like All these shows aren't just shows that are catered for one type of audience. There's a wide audience audience that can enjoy the show and that's why these are the ones that are getting adapted but i still don't know if even if these get adapted if there will just ever be this like normalcy to anime maybe it's just like okay all anime just needs to be like english dubbed in order for it to be normal in the western culture is there a next pokemon i mean i'm trying to think and is there a next dragon ball z well dragon ball's just done right yeah, I mean, it's not as big anymore, but those those were definitely big dubbed anime back in the day. So, I don't know. It's, it's hard. Like, what's next? I almost think back in the day, it was very easy to, you know, throw on a couple animations on the Cartoon Network. But nowadays, with the people watching TV a little bit less, you have to go look for it on a streaming service. Your parents might not let you watch it. They might not even pay for the streaming service if it's, uh, I don't know, something only Crunchyroll related, right? And that outreach nowadays is a bit harder, I think, unless it's literally on Netflix. To be honest with you, I think we just saw kind of the best chance that anime will ever have in the next like 10 years. If I had to bet on it, I think nothing surpasses the box office that Demon Slayer got globally in the next 10 years unless it's demon slayer itself hot take hot takes but what about sony sony owns crunchyroll they own funimation will they ever decide to you know just go all in on anime well even if they own it right they own the rights to stream the anime in the u.s i don't necessarily think they'll create a show like based off an anime or something I just don't see it happening. Sony is another Japanese company, you know. Japanese companies just don't seem to have a good track record. 
<laughs> in a lot of fields and they they're they tend to be more conservative and i just don't think they take the gamble on it i do think if anyone does it, it's netflix and we've seen it multiple times they've tried multiple times and they are invested in the kind of just anime scene because of some of these bigger shows like violet evergarden and b stars and the great pretender and whatnot like they've created good shows in partnership with other studios and they've also hopefully will create a good live action or live action adaptation when cowboy bebop comes out i i just don't see any other party executed as well as netflix potentially can i mean netflix has such a big track record like they've got everything right they've They've got the fan base already, and they know they do. I'm sure they have the numbers, they have the data. They know how many of their users are specifically there for for anime. I go look at my brother's Netflix. It's 80% anime on the recommended list. I wonder how many people there are like that. Dude, Netflix has grown. It's lucky because they have such a wide genre and outreach that they can see the direction. The funny thing is, though, with Netflix, I know people that aren't even anime fans, and they have a Netflix account. But because they have a Netflix account, they watch Demon Slayer. And I think that's also why Demon Slayer is so big. It very well could be. I mean, Demon Slayer was probably... is If they if Netflix plug, plugs it on like the top 10 recommended shows, people are probably going to watch it. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. People will watch it. Do you ever think... <laughs> this, is, this is a stretch here. But do you ever think there will be like, a, like a, another Asian superhero movie that's not shang chi that's based off of anime because what other source do we really have so you're saying if uh what other superheroes that aren't marvel or dc related yeah like what else do we got we got shang chi and nothing go for broke on shang chi put all your all your chips in the middle of the table but there's nothing else but man if cowboy bebop turns out really well there could be like i don't i think i was reading john cho didn't understand how influential cowboy bebop was until he got cast for the role if it pans out really well, which I really hope it does, dude, we could definitely have other adaptations in the future. And and maybe those, like you said, might those might be the heroes that we need. Those are the real heroes we need. The ones who are going to take one for the team. We're in the Cowboy Bebop waiting room to see if how this pans out. Because I, I, I'm, very, I'm very convinced that if Shang-Chi, you know, or it's not even if anymore, Shang-Chi was this successful as an Asian movie, Asian superhero movie. If Cowboy Bebop is able to kind of break into those like top 10 shows on Netflix in the US right now, I don't even know if that, those top 10 shows are, are real, but if it is able to kind of break into those that top show and people actually think it's a good show, it's another like Asian superhero kind of show. It's not necessarily an Asian superhero, but it has similar vibes with them. MC is Asian and is kicking butt in the show. So I do think that if these two things pan out in the back end of 2021, there's a lot of traction and a lot of runway for opportunities potentially for manga writers for light novel writers to kind of hope for an adaptation in the western world that's so interesting i mean i definitely think if we start adapting a lot of anime and that's where a big source of the next hollywood movies come from or even just tv shows 
I would be mind blown, actually. That would actually be crazy to think about. It's interesting because manga, I think, is the sort like the core of it all, right? That's where the stories are coming from. That's where the ideas are flowing from, and that's directly imp- impacting anime. And there's so much good manga that's just untapped to its full potential. But Japanese people, I think, just aren't willing to like step out of their comfort zone or like break the mold a bit and then like try to defy the this like manga to anime adaptation direct cycle that's been established for years and years and years. And also for, you know, when you adapt it to something that's anime, it's more so grouped into something that's Japanese. So like you're helping some Japanese culture, the establishment of Japanese culture. But if they go directly to Hollywood, I think that's where the future of manga and the future of anime should be almost. It's not even anime, right? It's just straight up the future of Japanese storytelling, really. Because there's just too much good stuff that's just untapped. I, I agree. I agree with the whole untapped thing. This is uh, There's so many great stories out there that you know people deserve to read they deserve to know um and even us we're limited because we're only only can or i only can read what's translated yeah i think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier where you know we're putting a lot of pressure on these animation studios to deliver high quality anime because that's really the only source of adaptation that manga has right now right like if they mess up the manga the anime studio takes a bashing doesn't get good reviews, gets roasted to the ground. And also the the fans that enjoy the manga don't get to see that show kind of adapted to like a, a moving like television screen, really. And maybe this alleviates the pressure a bit. And maybe this is where the future is. And this is a huge business opportunity to any manga writer out there that is trying to kind of get exposed to to the global audience. But It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how this how this plays out because I do think Japanese people are a little slow in terms of adapting um, global practices like streaming, putting music on streaming websites just came to like Japan in 2020, which is like unbelievable. It's like mind blowing. Spotify has been out for what, 10 years and Japanese people just had this epiphany that, oh, hey, maybe we shouldn't sell CDs and we should sell subscriptions instead. It's going to take like 20 years for this to happen, man. I might be dead by then. But I hope <laughs> people will get this. That's all we can hope for. And, you know, we need the difference is that voice actors, are, they're hidden behind the scenes, right? There's no clear one person who's, who's the Marvel superhero for that character. There's no famous actress in Japan who's that, who's just known as that related to some anime. I mean, we know voice actors out there and voice actresses, but the rest of the world doesn't. And even probably a lot of hardcore anime fans don't always keep up with voice actors and voice actresses. They might just realize it one day, like, oh, this is the same person. Right, right. And that kind of goes back to, like, live-action movies are just so crap in Japan, man. It's just, it's so disappointing. And that might also be why it's, like, just affecting it. Because the actors and actresses that play the live-action roles are just doomed to begin with because the adaptation is just bad from the start and i mean like not all adaptations are bad like don't get me wrong there's a few out there that i i can like wholeheartedly recommend with confidence that people 
who like the anime will enjoy it as well. But because all the other ones are so bad, it's just it's pain. Let's hope the ones coming out kind of leave us with a lot to look forward to. Um, definitely an interesting turning point with seeing how well, I mean, Asian culture is being reflected in, in Disney and animation itself. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think just to close out kind of this podcast, I know we're running, we're in the hour mark already, but I think there's a lot of things that we could kind of take away from here in terms of what animation studios can potentially do to hopefully alleviate the pain in terms of meeting weekly deadlines and or bi-weekly deadlines. I'm not sure how it works to the complete details, but uh, and on top of that, you know, Disney's been doing a lot of adaptations in terms of how to target a wider audience, how to translate animation to a global audience. And I do think anime has the opportunity to kind of kind of do that. And we've seen it in the past already, like I said, with AOT, Demon Slayer, and potentially with Chainsaw Man coming out at the back end of the year where it, it is attracting to a wider audience. But Hopefully there are more shows like that because I do think, and maybe we'll, we'll have an episode on this later on where we kind of talk about things that bother us in terms of anime, but there are certain things that are just too anime and too anime cliche almost where it, it is a bit cringe. So maybe the removal of that would help, but I think that's the main takeaways here. I, I do think there's just a lot of opportunity for manga artists, anime production studios to to capitalize in the global audience by just partnering with one another really you gotta you gotta get the good all-stars to make those waifus man don't do them waifus dirty all right well we don't want to offend anyone out there with the waifu comments again so i think it's time to close off this podcast and uh nice serious episode this week maybe on the direction that we think everything's gonna go but i guess until next week we're just waiting in the cowboy bebop waiting room all right, till next week, we booze. See ya.